Welcome to the Mary D Show. I'm your host, Mary D, here to be your guide as we extract wisdom and life lessons from top CEOs, thought leaders, artists, spiritual luminaries, and wellness experts. My intention is to bring you value in every show that sparks an idea, helps you break a limiting belief, or creates thoughts that uplevel your life so that you can know from the deepest depths of your soul that everything you want is available to you and that abundance is your birthright. In 2018, I healed from breast cancer, holistically after surgery, without the use of chemotherapy or pharmaceuticals. I love biohacking and plant medicine and exploring spirituality and what it means to be in relationship with Source so that we can feel whole and complete no matter what life throws at us. My specialty in the business world is strategy and leadership, and my gift to each of you is my ability to listen so that I can help others see themselves. In each episode, I want to sprinkle you with some hope dust, tickle your funny bone, and inspire you to find your inner roar. Get ready to live your most purposeful and joy-filled life now and enjoy the show. Welcome back, everyone. Time zips by so fast. I can barely believe that this is episode nine. I've been on the air for over two months now, and it's flown by. If any of you out there have always wanted to do a podcast and you haven't yet started one, I want to tell you that it's super fun and it's such a great way to reconnect or connect with people you want in your life or people you want to learn from. The technology actually isn't that complicated and it's such a great way for you to share, inform, teach, and have great conversations. I really love getting to know each guest and knowing that you're also here as part of the conversation. I'm trusting that you are getting exactly what you need to hear every single time you tune in. If you are in any self-doubt over whether you could do a show or not, or about anything else, then you're in luck because today's show is about having unshakable confidence. The better news is that if you aren't feeling like you have any confidence, you can actually borrow some from me. (laughs) I have plenty to share because I have been exercising my confidence muscles for a long time. And I want you to think of confidence like it's a muscle. Basically, if you don't use it, then it's going to take time for you to build it up. But once you have it, once you have it, then it's easier to make it stronger and bigger and better if you keep using it. I was sharing with a friend the other day that confidence is one of the best gifts that we can learn as children. So if you're a parent, then I want to encourage you to be that parent who tells your kid they can do and be anything, because if you tell them enough, they just might believe you. And this applies in the workplace with your teams and your colleagues, creating an environment where challenges are encouraged and lessons are shared means that you can instill confidence in your people to go out and do the work, make some mistakes along the way, and learn from them rather than treating them with shame and contempt. The world is already so good at telling people they can't do or can't be or can't have something. So be the person that encourages others because you could literally change a person's life by simply instilling confidence in them. One of the things that my mother did really well was to encourage me to be brave. She was always telling me to be fearless, and time and time again, I got to practice these traits. I would be home alone because my mom worked two jobs, and this was, of course, later in life when I was about eight or nine years old. So I was a little bit of a latchkey kid, 
because I would come home from school and it meant I was home alone until my mom showed up around midnight some nights. And she never wanted me to be scared of the dark, be scared of being alone. And at first I was, I actually kept this bright yellow wiffle ball bat next to my bed as if that was going to protect me from, you know, robbers in the night. But each night she'd come home, I would wake up and that would be a little bit of my time that I could spend with her. And she would always ask me, you know, she'd say, hey, you know, were you okay? You know, are you lonely? Are you afraid? And sometimes I would share with her that I was. And then my mom would say to me, hey, you have nothing to be afraid of. You're going to be okay. God is with you. So what I learned over time is that there was nothing to be fearful about. I wasn't scared of the dark anymore. And I certainly wasn't scared of being alone because I learned to be with myself. I learned to be a kid. I rode my bicycle around. I played with my friends. I did my homework. I watched TV. And my mom always made sure I had food. So I was well fed. And life went on. And after a while, knowing that it was going to get dark at night and being home alone became a normal part of my life. They weren't inhibitors to me being able to carry on my life or to learn or to grow or to continue living my life. So again, my mom, she was always telling me to be fearless. And time and time again, I practiced those things. The funny part about all of this is that once I became an adult, I started to realize that my mom is one of the biggest Frady cats that I actually know. I often have picked homes that are more remote locations. I have done so much of my international travel solo that I'm never afraid to do things like jump off a cliff or go into the water, swim into the ocean, swim with sharks, bungee off a building. And it's funny because my mom, she has what I would call ordinary fears, fears of the dark, fears of being alone, fears of the unknown, yet she pretended to be braver than she really was for my sake until I was finally old enough to catch on. And it is not lost on me when I think about how my mom would grab me at night and shake me a little bit and say, hey, you have nothing to be afraid of. You're safe. And I believed her. And I've grown up to be an adult who continues to believe her, even though my mom is someone who actually isn't very brave in ways that I have learned to be brave, in ways that I have built my confidence up in a lot of these areas. So just know that even if you don't have your personal level of unshakable confidence, you actually still can have the ability to instill it in someone else. I was actually in a plant medicine ceremony, and as I sat there reflecting and meditating, I received this really beautiful download, and I feel called to share it with you all. And I'm going to share it with you today. I'm going to read it to you straight out of my journal. But before I do that, I do want to throw an acknowledgement out there that I am not a parent, not a parent in the typical sense of someone who knows what it's like to procreate. I haven't birthed any of my own children. And surprisingly, I have even managed to go my entire life without ever even getting pregnant. So I've been lucky enough to have other people's children as part of my life, in and out of my home, under my influence. And I've been in delivery rooms, present for home births. None of those, though, were my own blood children. I didn't carry a kid for nine months and, you know, shoot them out into the world. So I cannot really speak to the experience of being a full-time blood parent. But what I can speak to is the experience of being a child who was raised in a home 
where she was unconditionally loved by her mother. You see, my mom loved me before I was even conceived. She loved me on a very energetic and cellular level. She anticipated me. She stayed excited for what I was going to be before she even knew me. And I believe that it's because of that love that there is some level of programming down into my DNA that knows that so completely how much I was loved that it's created a beautiful ripple in my own being that has known from the start that, hey, when you're conceived in love, it can do wonders for you. And it plants the seed of confidence in love, confidence in life. My mom already had two kids when she married my dad. She was very young. Her marriage had been arranged in the village where she grew up in Thailand. She was just a teenager when she had my brother and sister. They had a very different experience of her as a mother than I did. But when my mom met my dad, her American husband, she was sure she wanted to have another child. By now, she was an adult who was going to have the ability to fully focus on her child in the most formative years. They say that the biggest developmental years for a child are between the ages of birth and five years old. And it was during this time for me that my mom put 100% of her effort into pouring into me. And this is so often the time where also children experience childhood traumas that can start from the womb. It doesn't mean they have to start after the womb. They can actually start in the womb. And that affects those formative years as well as contributes to how they learn how to show up in the world. I was joking with some clients the other day as we were talking about our own patterns. And my comment was that I think we spend the first 25 years learning. And then if we're lucky, we spend the next 25 years unlearning. And I'm so grateful that my mom and my sister taught me their version of who God is and what they thought were the right things to do and to believe that they had core values that they instilled upon me and work ethic. If I still believed, though, all of those things I was taught, I don't know that I would necessarily be in a bad place, but I also don't believe that I would feel the personal freedom, peace, and sovereignty that has come with blazing my own path guided by my own relationship with Source. And parents, I do want you to hear me on this because although you can't shelter your children from every pain and offense that goes on in the world, you can teach them how to handle the curveballs that life throws at them. Your kids are going to come with their own personality, but within all their uniqueness, you still get the first shot at setting them up for how they see and know the world. And this is a gift. And with that, I am going to read you what I wrote that I truly believe was a divine download. And I'm excited actually to share it with you all today because this is one of those things that I feel like you can come out of a deep reflective ceremony and just get something that really hits, you know? And this really hit for me, and I hope that it leaves an impression on you. All right, so here's the entry. Kids are a beautiful blessing. You get to raise humans. You get to instill their initial programs, belief systems, and support systems. And we are responsible for showing them what to do by being an example. Love is the first lesson that we learn from our parents. So love them well, because these little humans will go into the world and duplicate your programming. It will show up everywhere in their lives. It will show up in their relationships. It will be what they pass on to the next generation. And for those who have had any bad programming, ancestral healing from those ancestral wounds is their next step. 
in this last line regarding ancestral healing, that came up because I was thinking through some of my own family coincidences that seem to be ancestral in nature. And some examples of this would be what you've probably heard before, how you're stubborn like your dad or how you tend to be neurotic like your grandma. In my family, my mom was the youngest of seven. And in all those kids, she only had one sister. And that sister showed up one day in her early 20s, came into the house, announced that she was leaving, changing her name, and was never going to be seen or heard again. She was done. Done with this family, done with this life. And she kept that promise. To this day, my mom still wonders whatever happened to her sister and what was her life like. My own sister also had a daughter who did something very similar without making an announcement this time. She changed her name and literally never spoke to anyone in the family again. She wanted nothing to do with her birth family. Her experiences as a child were painful. And I think for her, it was easier to trade in the old family and her past for a newer family of friends that she could take on as her new support system without the traumatic history. And I remember how everyone in the family gossiped and chatted about her joining a cult. And as time went on, I learned to cut out the chatter. And I got really objective about her experiences growing up. And I started to understand why she would want to just wipe the slate clean and start over again. And I was able to shift out of this place of judgment and fear. And I think some of that fear was a place of ego. Maybe not even fear is the right word. I think it's a place of ego of like, come on, we're like the coolest family ever. Why wouldn't you? Or things weren't that bad, right? And those thoughts, though, are very subjective and they're very personal. So what I might not consider extreme might feel extreme to another person. And so it's having deep compassion wherever she's at and honoring where she's at in her journey and her story, right? We each have our own unique perspective and that's what makes life so colorful. So in this compassion, I was able to send her a lot of love and healing energy. I sent an apology out into the universe and I realized that truly loving her would mean that I would want nothing short of her happiness and joy and peace. And that if she managed to find that in other people who are not our blood family relatives, then that's okay. I'm sad that she's not choosing me. I'm sad that she's not choosing her mom and her brother and her sister, but I love her. And I believe that real love means letting her live her life, letting her chase her own happiness, even if that means I don't get to be a part of it. I hope that her heart is full and her wounds are healed and that she has found a path that brings her peace from her past. And I think it's the blessing we can give anyone in our life that may have disappeared. Whether they're family or not, one of the other things that had me thinking about was how even in my own life, I have had so many amazing people show up for me who are not my blood family, but who I definitely regard as my family. I would lay down my life for them. There isn't anything I wouldn't do for them. I love them unconditionally. There is always a spot in my house for them. There's always a spot in my heart for them. I will always pick up the phone for them. And those people remind me that family is not always the blood. Blood doesn't always make us family. We actually do get to choose. And the reverse of that is true also. Sometimes there's family in our life that's really toxic or they're not great for us or they're super negative. 
and they don't have anything great to say. They're not instilling confidence or encouragement in us. And it's okay to also not see those people as often. It's okay to love those people from a distance and give ourselves permission to be around people who will allow us to thrive and grow and challenge us in ways that are constructive and not destructive. One of my last little musings for you regarding confidence is to share with you the fact that duality exists here. So when I say that, I mean that you can feel both confident and not confident at the same time. Dualities exist in our feelings. I remember when my ex and I split up, I was mourning the loss of the relationship. And I was also so glad it was over because I knew it was time to move on and to refresh that energy in my life. And you can be confident, for example, speaking on a stage in front of hundreds of strangers. And at the same time, you could be not confident about asking a single girl out that you see at the coffee shop every morning before you kick off your day. The trick here is to remember that nothing changes if nothing changes. You can never learn to build up the confidence to shoot your shot if you're not willing to shoot the shot. We have to practice so that we can learn. We only learn by trying. When we try, sometimes we fail. And if we're doing it right, we learn from that failure and that gets us closer to success. And that's the goal. We want to get closer to whatever it is we're trying to achieve. And ideally, we can hit the mark. Sometimes we exceed it. Sometimes we fall just short of it. Before I leave you today, I'm going to share one more really funny story with you. And when I was in my 20s, I used to produce film. And I did this for a few years. And one night, we were up very, very late, an all-night shoot in Orlando, shooting at this building, this private building that we got this location from one of the set gals. She actually was our set designer. Her boss actually worked in this building. It was his building. And he gave us permission to be in there. We had to get permits. So the crew sets up. We're shooting all night. And it's about 3 a.m. and we're supposed to be wrapped up. And the next set of security guards for the building show up. And they know that we are supposed to be wrapped up. So we are literally missing like two shots. And there are two shots that are really important to explaining the story in this movie. We really need these shots to happen. It's part of it is one of the characters is like breaking in through a window and stealing a computer. So we go downstairs and we're pretty defeated. Like it's the director, it's the cameraman, it's me. And we're just kind of looking at each other like, man, we just didn't have enough time. We need to grab a couple more shots. What are we going to do? And as we're going down the elevator, I realize, huh, you know, we just switched hands here, meaning the guards that were there are now no longer there and it's a new person. And to him, we're all new. This is all nostalgic because he hasn't been there for hours with us watching a shoot. This is a new deal, but we're on our way out. And I looked at the director and I looked at the cameraman and I was like, let's grab our star and let's go back up. And they're like, what are you talking about? I go, trust me. So the four of us go back up the elevator. And as soon as we step off, I'm really cheery with the security guard. And I said, hey, do you want to be in a movie? And he kind of smiled. He goes, what? I go, you know, there's a couple more shots we need to get. 
and we would love to do it, but they actually need to have a security guard in the shot. And I'm wondering if that can be you. You would just need to sign a waiver saying that you're okay being cast into this movie. And as long as you're good with it, we could get these few shots done and you could actually be in the movie. He was elated. We made this security guard's night. And in my mind, I just needed to do what we needed to do to get the shot. And I was confident that if I could convince this guy that we could get him in the movie, or at least give him a shot at being in the movie, that he would give us the opportunity to finish our shots, even though we were out of time. And it was really funny because the director and the cameraman and the actress all played along, knowing full well that this was not part of the movie at all. And we played it up. I mean, we shot multiple shots with him. We let him do a couple different things. We told him he did an amazing job. Actually, he did do a good job. And through this, we ended up getting the shots we need that made it into the movie. But what's even more funny is this guy being the security guard actually did make it into the movie. And I remember us going back down the elevator after getting the shots that we needed with a sigh of relief. And the director looked at me and he goes, how did you know that he was going to say yes? And I said to him, I didn't know that he was going to say yes, but I was going to pretend like he was going to say yes. And we were going to just show up fully and get what we needed. And that's a really good example of how confidence is built up as a muscle. I wasn't sure if we were going to get that shot, but I was willing to go after it and figure it out and see if we could make it happen. And sure enough, it did. The things that you want to do here to recap are to know that confidence is a muscle, so work it and it will get stronger. And number two, speak encouragement into others to create that positive ripple effect in your community. Rinse and repeat again. We'll see you back here next Wednesday with a very special guest. And until then, may abundance always walk beside you. May joy always go before you. And may love always guide you on your path. Thank you for joining us on today's show. I hope that today's session inspires you to live an aligned life where you get to take complete ownership of your feelings and decisions to live in your truth. You can connect with me at www.maryd.com. That's M-A-R-Y-D-E-E.com. Follow and like us at Facebook or Instagram at the Mary D. That's the T-H-E Mary D. M-A-R-Y-D-E-E. 